You know, this is hilarious. I'm totally going to put an unedited version up on the profile because it's doing my melopropisms. Kia ora and welcome to this episode of The Image Austenite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand, Aotearoa. My special guest today is Raywan. Kia ora. And our special topic today is Jane Austen's Guide to Burnout. I burnt out in December and I have really been struggling since. Raywan said, what can you put on hold? What can you give up? So I have decided to put the podcast on hiatus till the 1st of July, which if you're not New Zealand, it might be the 2nd of July, to give myself some space to get back on my feet. I just want to say I'm really, really proud of Francis doing this. Strangely, I also went through burnout last year and have been working part-time as part of a very intensive recovery plan for burnout. So it's something that we actually share this journey that we're going on. And I'm really hoping to just encourage Francis that there is joy on the other side of burnout. And that although it's hard to take a step back sometimes and really focus on yourself, is the absolute best thing for you. And like I said, for someone who's been in the darkness for quite a long time, never thought they were going to come out, there is a light at the other end of the tunnel. And I'm sure there are heaps more people that are also either flirting at the edge of burnout or are completely there and understand what the weight of this world does, especially post-COVID. The nice thing about this, and one of the reasons I love hanging out with Francis, is how we can often bring this back to Jane Austen, and we can talk about a framework that we are really comfortable with, and maybe just unpack some of these things that are really difficult. For me, the three key things that I'm focusing on are boundaries, support, and self-care, which you could call buzz if you want to be buzzwordy. One of the things Francis and I were talking about, which actually prompted this podcast, was thinking about our favourite person in Jane Austen for actually setting really great boundaries for herself is Lady Bertram. We just wondered what could we learn, Francis, from Lady Bertram about how to set those boundaries and make sure that you're not overextending. Lady Bertram doesn't do much. She's very privileged that she's in a position where she can do that and she has an overbearing sister who she can push a lot of that work onto. But also in the time period there would have been servants and a housekeeper who could have done a lot of those things for her as well. It just happens to be that Mrs Norris is there. I don't care how privileged you are and how many housekeepers you have, having a person like Mrs Norris in your life could be incredibly taxing. And one of the things I do like about Lady Bertram is that she has used what she has available to her to make her life really easy. So instead of taking on the burden of Mrs Norris, she is diverting and passing off our responsibilities to her, which A, makes Mrs Norris feel better, and B, gives her some space. Make use of what you have. Mrs Norris picks up the slack and that makes a difference it does make uh, Lady Bertram's life a lot easier we don't have any indication that Lady Bertram is sick in any way just that she's a bit indolent and good for her I just wonder about this word indolent it's always got such negative connotations maybe we need to unpack that a little bit more Francis what does it mean I'm gonna google it Um, wanting to avoid activity or exertion lazy oh now lazy is an even worse word and there's many tiktoks i've seen about people saying do you know laziness is created by puritans who thought that idle hands were the devil's plaything. prior to that laziness did not exist i'm not sure how true that is but do we really want to buy into the idea that any kind of 
self-care if you're tired and you're not working that means you're lazy that's not okay you need to listen to your body absolutely and that's the reason why I brought that word up indolent because it has such negative connotations and I think particularly for women and I know mothers is a real thing when you stay at home all day what do you do do you eat chocolates and lie on the couch and watch tv that kind of crap which you think is just a cliche it is actually not people used to say to me geez when I was home looking after my kids what do you do you really wouldn't care to hear but it's this whole idea of putting an obligation upon you that you feel like you have to be busy to be successful I've been watching some TikToks and things lately where it's got uh, the different generations and how they approach working from home and so one of them is the Gen X's are kind of like oh um, last nine o'clock are you there kind of thing you know they're they just go about their way quite happy with what they can and can't do very generalized that's not the Gen X's sorry that's the baby boomers the Gen X's which is where I fall into and you too, Francis? I'm a geriatric millennial. Geriatric millennial. So I was very almost a Gen X. You see, Gen X is, it's all like, oh my God, how many things can I fit in? You know, I, I've, I've learned to work like this. I suspect that you probably... I feel very more Gen X yeah. that way, the millennial, yeah. The millennials. Okay, like, what are my boundaries? Which is a really good thing. I really wish I would be better at boundaries. And then they've got the less than the Gen Ys who aren't even on the call. <laughs> it's not even there. So you can see generationally why I struggle because I've got that Gen X sort of must be doing all the things all the time, which I also learned from parental figures. But then I have that millennial, no, I need to set good boundaries. And those two things warring with each other. I'm also a people pleaser. I want to do well at work. I want to do well in life. I want to be performing. I want to be achieving things. I feel like Eleanor Dashwood is a really good example of this as well. She does keep really good boundaries around things, but it weighs on her a lot. She is the only person really holding her family up and holding them together. The whole time she is dealing with a giant heartbreak. And her family have lost their home. Her brother is not fulfilling his duties to look after the females of his family. So Eleanor puts on a pair of pants, takes on the role. She has two younger sisters and her mother who are more emotional than practical. She is also quite emotional herself, but she's had to step into being the practical person because they weren't doing that. She does keep really good boundaries around not letting her family see what's going on with her so that she can keep everything pushing forward but it's too much whereas her younger sister Marianne very much goes into the heartbrokenness and completely has a collapse. Just for a second Francis ask you about whether you think her keeping everyone out is a boundary or a coping mechanism. Possibly both. She'd made a promise that she wouldn't tell anybody, so she could not tell them. It's a good boundary to have, keeping your integrity. But yes, if she had told them what was going on, she would have also had to deal with their emotional stuff as well as her own. So it is coping and a boundary at the same time, because she's aware if she tells them all hell's going to break loose, and it's actually going to make her life that much harder. How do you think that works in with seeking support? Where was she getting her support from? That's the thing that she really wasn't. When Marianne, her younger sister, eventually finds out, as Eleanor suspects, Marianne does get upset. But it does make Marianne pull up her socks and go, I need to be better because you're already coping with a lot of shit. You can't cope with my shit. Unfortunately, damage is already done. 
But Marianne has also shut herself off from support. She's like, no, I just am going to be miserable and everything is not okay. This takes me back to this whole idea of women and these standards that we hold ourselves to. We're not to be seen as weak, that it's easier to keep it in because other people can't cope. The reaction we expect to get from other people will be so much worse than what we're dealing with. But in the book, maybe it's not as bad as we imagine it. But it also goes back to this idea of laziness, that unless you've got it all together, unless you're doing everything you possibly can, then in some way you're seen as being lazy. It's this whole lesser than word. And I think as women, we feel like we have to balance work and home and health and our identity and our sexual desires and beingness. Perhaps it's not as hard for men. I'm not saying they don't feel it, and that's not at all what I'm saying. But I think we as women put it on ourselves and in a sense women can be just as hard on other women. Have you just tried this? Have you just tried that? Oh, um, she's not it, looking good. She's not trying. Yeah. And that's something too that I'm really conscious of having come out of burnout that took me months and months and months. There was months where I just couldn't even get out of bed. Or if I'd get out of bed, I'd be back in bed the next day. So I don't ever want to belie when you get to a healthier place. Say, oh, it's easy. Just do what I did. There's no just in it. It's hard, bloody work. And it cuts right down to the soul of who we are. And I just think sometimes, particularly as women, what we expect of ourselves, there needs to be a whole lot of gentleness. And some of these words like lazy, I just don't think needs to be our vocabulary anymore. Fanny Price is a character who has to deal with a lot of shit, but she also has some very good support structures. Edmund and her brother William are both very supportive of her. A little bit hesitant about Edmund because there are times where, as the Republic of Pemberley has famously said, Edmund needs a slap upside the head. And he does ignore her when he's dazzled by Mary Crawford. But she's got good support structures in place. I think that's very important, particularly because the sort of character that she is. She is a people pleaser and she wants to do everything right. And Mrs Norris is drilling into her at all times that she should be busy and productive. Well, if Mrs Norris is the epitome of busy and productive, heaven help us all, I don't want that. If we look at Frederica Vernon, Mm -hmm. she's got very clear boundaries. I will not let my mother dictate who I will marry. And she does reach out for support. We've just discussed Frederica's letter where Mm -hmm. she is asking for support. She knows she can't go to her aunt and uncle because her mother would have a fit. Technically, she's not going against her mother to go to Reggie and say, can you please help me? But the fact that she's going to the letter of the law... Because she's doing the exact thing she knows full well that she's not supposed to do. Frederica is a character that I didn't like very much. And she wasn't portrayed particularly well. So Frederica is someone who is taking matters into her own hands. She does not want to be matched with Lady Susan's choice. She wants to reach out and have support from her uncle and aunt to the point that she did actually reach out and write that letter to Reggie, knowing full well that... It was against her mother's wishes. But the way she's painted thus far, it's not in a very good light. It's the way she's going about it. The only reason I think she's even accepted by her uncle and aunt is because they dislike her mother so much. And anything she does that would annoy her mother is fine with them. Her behaviour is not held up as an example of how a woman should conduct herself. She's seen as a bit flighty and 
impulsive. Her behaviour is not portrayed in a good light, even though she's taking steps to choose what she thinks is her own best life course. But that's got a lot to do with her not having power herself. We've got boundaries, we've got support, and the third arm is self-care. This is a relatively new concept. When you're trying to be busy and productive and tick everything off your to-do list, we've been taught that doing the things that are maintenance for ourselves are not important. You got up today, you made the bed, you showered, you dressed, and you gave yourself breakfast. Well done, you. That doesn't even start to hit self-care. That's a minimum. And people struggle with that. It's hard for people outside of that to understand why. You just get up and you you do the thing. Particularly for neurodivergent people, I understand that some of those things can be, like hygiene can be a difficult thing because sensory overload with some of those things. It's been suggested to me many times throughout my life actually that I may be autistic and a friend I was with yesterday suggested that perhaps what I'm going through is an autistic burnout because I am struggling with sensory overload, noise, people, lights, physical sensations. I'm physically incapable of washing my own hair at the moment, which sounds ridiculous, but it's not something I'm capable of doing right now. I just want to pull you up right there now. It doesn't sound ridiculous. It sounds like sensory overload. And while people may not understand or may not have come across that as an experience in their own lives, there's nothing ridiculous about not being able to wash your own hair or not liking the feel of it on your skin. It's part of your own body, and that must be incredibly painful and difficult. So I just want to not minimalise that because I think that's really important. And when it comes to the words self-care, And the reason I think it's so very hard for ourselves is that we're taught in our society, particularly in New Zealand, not to think of yourself as vain and self-centred. And we have a bit of a tall poppy syndrome over here. So heaven forbid you put yourself first and not run around after other people. That's not how I was brought up, certainly. It's taken me a long time to understand that myself actually deserves the same amount of care as I would give my friends or my loved ones. So if I think if we are thinking about what self-care is, it's actually who are you? Who is what? Who is yourself? Who is that special person inside you that you know but gets damaged quite easily? When I'm speaking from experience. And then it's care. So how do we look after that person who is experiencing overstimulation? I was very much like that when I was at the hardest point of my burnout where I would be in bed a lot during the day with the curtains closed because I couldn't stand too much stimulation. I couldn't stand to be with people. So I think it's looking at recognising that the self isn't coping with those things. And not coping isn't a bad thing. It's just meaning yourself is telling you that thing is not good for me right now mm-hmm. and I need to rest. And so the care is how do I give myself quiet from things? What can I step away from that is drawing on my energy when I need to be building it up? It could be different for everybody. Yeah, and it is listening to your body, to yourself, independent of other people and figuring out what works best for you. And Um, words like should or broken, ridiculous, um, (laughs) they aren't helpful or kind to yourself. I would take those kind of words and shove it. There's a song, was it take your job and shove it? Well, I think it's kind of the same. (laughs) Take those words and shove them. 
potentially these are issues I've actually been dealing with for a good 20 years because I realized that I've built my life a lot differently to other people not realizing quite why I needed to do those things I work part-time I live alone I need a lot of downtime I have someone who cleans for me and these are things I need on a regular basis to function so it's just stepping those things up a bit setting clearer boundaries around work time unsubscribing from different things whether that's friendships or emails having less things in my space is helpful so decluttering um, I've limited the time that I spend on my phone most phone systems without having to download an app there are options where you can limit screen time and you can limit time on specific apps because I was noticing that I was doom scrolling I have been lying on the couch I have had issues sleeping most of my life but the strange thing is when I need a nap it's not a question it's a, I'm going to pass out so I'm gonna lie down on the couch and have a nap yet I cannot sleep at night it makes no sense but something Raven and I were talking about before we started this recording is having an end of work ritual which I did have for a little and I kind of let that drop and I think that will be a good thing to pick back up closing the computer turning the things off leaving the house going for a walk getting a bit of fresh air bit of movement bit of change of scenery to really close that loop because also I work from home which makes it a lot easier for me to be able to work. I am excellent at my job. Sometimes I wish I wasn't so good because then I wouldn't feel the need to continue to be good. But working from home has meant that I have been able to continue to work. Because I already have so many coping strategies in my life, it took a while for the burnout to really make as much of an impact as it could have. I just take my hat off to you, Francis, that you have been so self-aware all these years to choose things in life that really support your well-being. And um, I've just been, as Francis knows, been through a course recently through the Balance Institute, which has really challenged me in a lot of ways around how I assign meaning to things that I do. I love walking with my dog, but it became an exercise on my to-do list. And so I would quite often put my headphones on, I'd have a podcast on, I'd have these routes that I'd walk and I would literally white knuckle around it. And I live in this beautiful place up um, in Palapalamu where I've got these amazing walks past rivers and beaches and it's just beautiful. And yet I'd be sitting there with my headphones on, hating every minute of it because it was a job on my to-do list. And one of the things that really changed for me was about thinking what are some basic human needs that I have and one is engaging with others and even in my community. So I found when I had my headphones on, I'd be walking and not engaging with anybody. Like I would put my headphones on as a barrier to keep people out. Whereas now I don't walk with my headphones on. I'm trying to make that walk something where I'm engaging with my dog. Actually, it's really lovely just to say hello to people on the track. I know I'm not going to have to stop and have a big conversation, but a smile and a hello and a little bit of a happy day, isn't it? It's actually quite uplifting. I can manage that. And it's actually meant that my walks now are no longer horrible white-knuckled jobs, but I'm actually hearing the birds, I'm feeling the wind, I'm actually present in nature it's made a huge difference say exactly the same thing i'm doing but i go out and feeling like this is actually going to be restorative for me in 
good for my well-being as opposed to another job I have to take off the list. There's no easy answer to burnout except kindness to yourself and being listening to your body, which I think a lot of us don't do until your body's really screaming. And I think look at it in every aspect of your life. I've stopped investing as much time and effort into relationships with people in my life where I'm not feeling good or I'm not feeling a connection. And that can be really hard. There may be people that have been really important in your life and then they may not be central anymore. Maybe you see them once every couple of weeks instead of every second day or something, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many people I look back over my life that I held on to a lot longer. There were people for a season we were in the same place and we were very close. And then you grow apart naturally because of what's going on with life. I still love them, but the connection isn't what it once was. And I think always with our friendships too, there can be points where you can start expecting stuff or being hurt by stuff. And I know for myself, validation was a really big thing. I wanted people to like me. I wanted those friends to like me. And the only way that seemed to happen was if I saw them regularly and did the things they wanted to do. And sometimes, even though it's hard, it's facing a little bit of that discomfort of saying it's not what it was. And actually, I can't manage that. And it's not that I don't love you, but it's just not something I can cope with right now. You don't even need to say it to them. Just, or just let those friendships stretch out. Occasionally, you do have to with people that are really hard just say I'm sorry I'm not able to do this right now I am different to a lot of people that I will break up with a friend the way that people break up with romantic partners and sometimes it's actually really beautiful to feel you know what I feel like we've done what we needed to do together I'm good are you good I feel like we've sort of come to the end that can be great Also, I have limited capacity for relationships in my life and I don't want to not give someone the time that they deserve or they want because I'm holding on to relationships that are no longer serving either of us. It's a lot of healthy there, eh? It's a lot of healthy to do, but it's not easy. I think it's really amazingly brave, Francis, that you have decided to take a break. And I'm sure people who listen to this podcast can have empathy and understand some people will be going through similar sort of things so and I'm really um, interested to see how long we manage to have a break before we start recording a whole lot of podcasts to be released in July well it's possible that we'll have more ideas about burnout so maybe instead of um, putting out the podcast I might just put posts out each week about here's some more stuff about burnout that we've discussed when it comes to Jane Austen or we'll perhaps see. we won't set a time frame like weekly we might just say there yeah, might be more podcasts surprise <laughs> So this has been our discussion about burnout with a little bit of Jane Austen flavour. I'm Frances Duncan, this has been Raywin. Links to my socials are in the notes. Thank you for listening and we wish you no burnout. Don't burn out. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!